You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. Hi there. I'm Emma O'Neill, and I make voiceovers for a living. Emma O'Neill is a voice actor based in Toronto. She starred in her first commercial at the age of two and continued to hone her craft on stage before making the full-time switch to VO. Since then, she's worked all over the world, voicing for some of the biggest brands on the planet. And she's done it all from the comfort of her own home. Here's my chat with Emma O'Neill. Who are you and what do you make for a living? Hi there, my name's Emma O'Neill and I am a voiceover actor. So how'd you get started voiceover actoring? In voiceover actoring? Um, I have been an actor since I have been in diapers, basically. Um, but... I mean, do you really want to know? I went to York and they were terrible and I left acting and I did all this stuff. And then I like 10 years later, after I did a bunch of yoga, I was teaching a guy. Um, I had a private yoga class and he was, he was an insomniac. He couldn't sleep. And I started doing a practice called Yoga Nidra with him, which was like, it basically, it's talking someone through, a, a, through sleep, but they're awake. So you're getting their body to relax and their mind to relax, but you're not sleeping. But with him, he would fall asleep and I wouldn't get mad because he never slept. So I was like, okay, it's a win-win. <laughs> He's sleeping for 30 minutes a day. This is good. And um, by the end of the 10 sessions, he came into the last session. He's like, okay, this is going to sound weird, but my wife is okay with this. Can you record your voice doing this yoga nidra so that I can sleep? Because it's the only time that I sleep. I was like, okay. And I, as I said, I'd been away from acting for a really long time. And so I did this thing, and then the person that I was with at the time worked in film and suggested that I go and take a voiceover course. Because it was like, well, why don't you give it a try? You're not going to be on screen. You don't have to deal with all that kind of aspect of, of acting. So I did. I went and signed up for a voice acting course. Where does one take a voice acting course? Um, it's actually funny. MCS probably still has something to do with it. So MCS on Queen Street, Queen and River. Um, but it was a, what did I do? I think it was called VoiceWorks. It was Mike Kirby. So this was back in like 2009, 2010. And Mike Kirby was like, he was like the announcer guy, you know, like, welcome to ZNL, like that kind of thing, um, which was the voice at the time. Are there voices of the time? Like in other words, 2009, the voice was that voice, like that. that. Well, it's like the announcer voice was, was a big voice for a really long time. And women were not in voice acting at all. Um, do you know, so it was just, it was very, very male dominated. Um, and it was this big booming voice that is blah, 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 blah. Like it was all that, that big, ridiculous voice, um, which still actually comes back quite a lot. Um, and it's not satirical. It's that they, they do want it to come back in, in particular places. Yeah. I mean, I, I made truck ads for two years. Like, you know, we had a lot of big booming voices going Yeah. On. Yeah. And like that type of gravelly voice. It's like, yes. Yeah. I'm going to drive through the mud and then over this mountain. So I did that. And in that course, I was introduced to a woman named Ellie Ray. And anyone in voiceover knows who Ellie Ray is. She is a lunatic. I adore her. Um, and she is like the queen of cartoons. She's the queen of animation and video games. And she just, she gets you to come out of your shell while you're behind a microphone. Because the second people stand in front of a microphone, all of a sudden we get our, our voice acting voice. It just, you know, it smooths right out. And all of a sudden we're all very, very posh and proper. And she was like, oh, for the love of, and you know, like there was just a lot of swearing. 
Um, and so I apologize if I swear, because I'm just trying to keep it real, kids. So I worked with Ellie Ray for a while and coached with her. She was a godsend, and it just kind of went from there. I started doing workshops at Pirate Radio when they still kept they still did workshops at the time, and I connected with a, a woman named Tracy Hoyt, who is a fantastic coach, and um, I did my first demo with her. What does a coach do for you? Like, what, what when you say she's a fantastic coach, what makes a fantastic coach? They help you find your your real voice, your true voice. Like, they help you speak like this in front of a microphone, but while speaking commercial copy or corporate copy or medical copy, that the words that are not yours. And it's voice acting is different from from theater acting or screen acting because the vast majority of time you don't get the script until you're standing in the booth or five minutes before you walk into a booth. So whether it's for an audition or for a session, you have to be able to pick these words up, up off a page and make them real and make them yours really quickly. So you have to be able to answer your who, where, what, why, how in half a second. Whereas when you're on screen or you're doing theater, you have all of this time to rehearse and, and develop your character and, and give it a back life and, and all this stuff. As a voice actor, it's like, well, I got to do that like now. I need to know what this is so you have to a you have to sight read really well b you have to follow direction really well so your job as a voice actor when you're in the booth is to say yes and then be able to make good on it so mm-hmm. whatever the suggestion is so i needed a little bit more x like what are some of the things that, that, that people tell you i need it a little faster i need it a little slower but those are the pretty easy ones like what are some of the things that, that, that kind of get thrown at you it depends on the director um if you have a really good director then you're really excited to have that really good director because they give you things like, you know, I need with more smile, which you're literally smiling. There's a smile on your face to make it sound more friendly. But it's not just your your face, it's your throat, right? Your throat has to get a little bit tighter to make that really friendly sound. So it's more friendly, uh, more personal, like you're talking to a friend. Uh, It's more off the cuff. If you're doing a, a corporate piece, corporate pieces they always get kind of uh, misinterpreted as now I must be corporate and I must be very, very proper. Nobody just speak like a normal human who knows what they're talking about. That's what it all comes down to. And so much now, especially now, the most popular reads are real person. So there's stops and starts. There's, uh, well, you know, words that aren't words, you know, so that you're, you're making the, the copy your own by throwing in mms and ah, uh, well, because real speak is staccato. Like there's, it's not melodic. There's nothing about real speak that is flowy. It's all over the place because we're thinking. Right. It's almost being rehearsed to the point where you are unrehearsed and or at least mm-hmm. you're able to convey as though it's unrehearsed. You don't want it to sound like it's been so thought out and, and for that matter to be so rigid and, you know, I mean, if you're going to do it one way, I always think of theater this way. They rehearse, they rehearse, they rehearse, they rehearse, they rehearse, and then they do it that one way. I was just listening but to an, an episode of a podcast that was talking about the sound design for Hamilton, and they do the whole show on a click track. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, which is quite unheard of and not exactly easy on everybody, but you do get a certain, on one level, you get it, you know, consistent, but then it's really hard to actually put in flourishes and slight differences. In that show, it works really well. In other shows, you want a little bit of that ebb and flow. Yeah. And when I'm directing, I'm always looking for the natural read. Yep. 
And the second it becomes unnatural, you may not be able to put a finger on it as to what's wrong with it, but you know it's not feeling right. And chances are the person in the booth thinks that too. Oh, yeah. You can spend a whole day in, a, in an audio booth and blow your brains out trying to get the same 30 seconds. And really, it's probably in the first one, two, or three takes. Completely. So you're, you're, you're with, is it Ellie? I still co- coach with Ellie today. So Ellie has been my coach on and off for 11, almost 12 years. So what's the nature of that relationship then? Are you learning new things after 11 years? Yeah, you're constantly like, this is the thing with voiceover is that you never stop learning. And it because the industry changes so quickly that if you get, uh, if you get stuck, you know, like I know that this works, I know that I book with this, or I know that this type of commercial read, you know, is, is bookable, is, is popular. But if you stop listening to the radio, stop watching television commercials and really actually absorbing the television commercial, you you get old really fast. And then there's also new new avenues and new genres. So it's, you know, I've always been the, like, so I have, if you haven't noticed, I have a deep voice. Um, so from a narration perspective, when I got my first agent and started doing my, you know, first real jobs, um, that weren't off a pay to play or weren't off, you know, my friend saying, hey, can you do my message on hold for my business, which are great, by the way, they can be your bread and butter. But um, I kind of broke into a world that was predominantly male. Because and this is it's terrible, but this is what was said. I have a voice that men will listen to and a voice that women are not afraid of. I don't know why. People seem to gravitate to, to men's voices and default to them. But the truth is, there's lots of great women's voices and lots of variety to those voices. But mm-hmm. there's that seems to be that preconceived notion for so many years that women have these shrill voices and the only place that they're good for is, you know, bath products and cosmetics. Yeah. That's simply not true. It still happens. Like there's still particular genres where there are very few women working, um, like trailer and promo, right? You, there's, there are some incredible women working in trailer and promo um, Randy Thomas, who's one of my kind of like, ah, she's the voice of the Oscars. I think Randy Thomas is like the coolest. She's cool as shit. Um, but women have had to fight tooth and nail to, to break into the genres that are predominantly male voice spots. So like I said, like I started, I broke into, uh, corporate narration. So I started doing a lot of banking stuff. Um, they're kind of explainer videos and, and, uh, training videos, for big banks and for big insurance companies. Yeah, because for whatever reason, I sound like I know what I'm talking about. I haven't a clue <laughs> most of the time, but I make it sound like I do. <laughs> I have a friend who likes to make voices. He's a funny guy. He's, he's good with accents. And he said, you know, I, I want to try doing some voiceover. I think I, I think I might be able to do it. And I said, sure, come on in. I took him into a booth. This was after hours. And we sat down. And uh, I gave him five, six scripts. And after um, about 20 minutes, we hadn't gone through one. And I wasn't even being remotely hard on him. And he was on the verge of tears. He was so frustrated and so aggravated. He, he, he just said, I, 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 I can't do this. I said, no, you can't because you're not actually an actor. <laughs> you're somebody who's funny and I like to hang out with who makes fun voices. But... If you're going to do this professionally, if you're going to do this properly, you train, you learn. It's acting. It's your, it, it's your skill. It's your talent. And he was really surprised. He was shocked. 
Most people are. I mean, I get contacted on the daily, really, by people saying, hey, my kid has a nice, good voice, or I, people get told I have a great voice. And, you know, I, I now have a kind of copy-paste thing, like, what country are you in? Because here's the coaches. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to help people. And I, you know, I believe that if anyone is willing to put the work into something, then absolutely, I will help you along the way. I was helped. Like, I don't think anybody gets anywhere without their, their team. You know what I mean? And I was mentored and I was, you know, supported and I still am mentored. I still am supported. And the voiceover community is an incredible community. It's extremely inclusive. It's extremely welcoming. But then there's the people who, there's the other, like the kind of the shady aspect of things that people kind of come at you, but, but it's just, it's just, you're just talking like it's, you're not doing anything. So why should I pay you or why should I pay you this amount or, you know, why shouldn't I get someone off, you know, this site or this site? What do you say when they say that? At that off, have a good time. You know, I, I, if, you, if you would like, if it doesn't work out for you, I will be here. You know, I'll, I'll never burn a bridge. You know what I mean? Um, and, but it, you constantly need to train. Like I, like, like I said, I've been on stage or in some sort of acting capacity since I was born and, you know, went to theater school on many different levels. And again, and I coach and I coach and I coach and I coach and I still have coaches today. And it's because with coaches, it's like, so I want to do in-show narration. So it's, I, I would love to be in the genre of being the narrator for a show, like, you know, the Discovery Channel or, you know, like Earth, Blue Earth, and it, like, just, you know, Nat Geo, any of those things. I, I love that stuff. So I coach with Tom Pinto for that. Um, and he is the voice of the Smithsonian channel and, 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 and like he was the, he was the, the promo trailer guy back in the day, like all of the, like, um, the commercials for 16 candles and stuff like that. That's Tom Pinto. Cause we're old. So you know what that is. Um, <laughs> Sadly, yes. Damn it. so I coach with him for, for in show. Um, I have a bunch of different commercial coaches because I get different things from different people. So tell me what's different then about in-show narration. How is that so vastly different than going out and doing commercial spot? In-show is flat. It's very, very flat because it's you're, you're supporting the story, you're supporting the visual, but you are not the most important part. The voice is almost in the background. So um, like one of the coaches that I work with, she literally gets you to use your hands to flatten things down so that you're only speaking between the space that you've created with these hands. If it's a kid show, she gets you to start everything off with once upon a time. So you get into that like, oh, fantasy, fun, children's, la, 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 very sing-songy. Um, but it's still much, much flatter. Whereas commercials, commercials are fast and furious. Um, it's generally natural real person speak in show isn't natural real person speak it's very much a narrator so the narrator it's it's a much um it's finer it's more refined it's cleaner there there isn't the staccato of natural speak it's it's paced properly whereas commercials all over the place especially depending on the commercial like sometimes you're jumping up and down like a crazy person in the booth to try to get the energy up like i did a, a spot for select quote i was like why did you pick me? Like, thank you. But it was because it was like, you know, and 
Joseph, 19, got his insurance for it. And it was like, I, like, I'm so not that person at all in any facet of my life. And ah! I have to jump up and down. And the engineer was hysterical. Simon, lovely guy. But he was just laughing at me the entire time. I was like, I feel like I'm on crack. Like, <laughs> well, so tell me about finding inspiration. So you get, a, you, you get an ad for an insurance company. And nine times out of 10, that's not going to be a great copy. How do you, where do you find the inspiration, whether it's in the booth or coming into the job and you know that something's coming, how do, how do you find it? That's why I coach with different coaches. So for stuff like that, you really have to figure out who you're speaking to. So, you know, and it's like, yes, I'm speaking to an audience. Yes, it's like, it's going to be on television. Like, but it's, you don't think about like the actual stuff. Like, who am I telling this to? So, you know, Select Quote Insurance just reduced their, their premiums from, $29 a month to $19 a month for a million dollars insurance. Riveting. You know, and he's, you know, it is, <laughs> you know, because he's pre-diabetic and he's this and he's this and he's this. So you have to find that place of like, this is really exciting. Like you're finally going to be able to afford your health insurance. So that's where you kind of have to go. And you have to go there really fast because you don't have, you know, like time is money in a booth. So you're trying to save the engineer the time you're trying to save the client time. So you're trying to give them what they want five minutes ago kind of thing, because then they're going to bring you back for more stuff. Because they're like, oh, God, Emma, she's so fast. Like, she just gets it, you know, and that's what you want. And that's why you coach. Um, if you're you're struggling to find that inspiration, it's like, I just uh, like I can't get it out fast enough or I can't connect with this copy one of another coach, he, he's like, if you can't connect with a copy, like you've booked the job for whatever reason, or it's an audition that you're like, you want the job, but you still, you're like, you can't figure out how to do it. He's like, so first attempt, you try to figure out who you're talking to. Like, who is Emma talking to? Didn't work. Second attempt, have the person you were talking to talk back to you. So now you're them. So you're talking back to them. Right. So you take on their personality kind of thing that didn't work. Third attempt is that it's a complete stranger who is absolutely in love with this thing, whatever this thing is. And it's actually really cool because that's where your actor training comes in. Right. Yeah. The sound of your voice absolutely has something to do with voice acting, you know, but it has it's, it's very, very little like there, there's not. It's it's not the make or break of why you're going to get a job or not going to job get going to get a job. It's was she able to get me to feel what I wanted the copy to make me feel? Did she convince me to buy another phone case that I don't need? I'm going to buy four of them. You know what I mean? So it's 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 that. So that's where your actor training comes in. So improv is a massive part of voice acting, your ability to think fast on your feet. Um, I worked with a client the other day. It was actually really cool. He was like, we are going to get you to do this 17 ways from Sunday. And it's not because we don't think you're doing the correct thing. It's because we actually have no idea what this is supposed to sound like. We just know that you're going to be able to do it. I was like, okay. Let's do this thing. Is that frustrating? Is that frustrating though that that somebody's has pulled you in, and and they, they don't know what they want. Really know what they want, so they're just kind of hoping to throw shit at the wall and hope something sticks. 
I think I used to get frustrated with it. Um, whereas now it's just like, sure, it, I get to play. Right. You know, like that was a, the role was a newscaster. So it's like I got to be your typical newscaster. Like, you know, so I was holding my fake microphone in front of my face. You know, it's like, and welcome to, and on tonight's news, that kind of thing. And then we just kept doing it different ways. And like I said at the beginning, your your job is to say yes. So they're like, okay, great. So you've done it slow. And I, you know, you hit those words that I wanted you to hit. Now I don't want you to hit any of those words at all. And I want you to do it really, really fast. Okay, go. Okay, now I want you to do it like you're drunk. Now I want you to do it like, you know, you're you're in a really, really bad mood. And they just kind of, you, you get thrown all over the place. And so you have to be able to turn on a dime. So you've been at this for a while, even though it was, you were initially on stage, you're a stage actor. Then you went away from it, you got really into yoga. And then you came somewhat full circle, and now you're back into acting. What is it you're hoping to achieve? Like, is there a certain pinnacle, a level? Is this a stepping stone to something else you're trying to do? I've always loved acting. Always. I always loved sharing stories with the audience. I always loved the response. And especially in theater, you get that immediate response from from the audience of whether it's like, your crap, or, yeah, that's awesome. Um, and... I never really liked film. I wasn't, you know, I, I've never been super comfortable in my own flesh. So being on camera, it was like, oh God, like that's a bad angle. Oh God, stop eating. What it was just, I just was not comfortable in, in that particular field. But voice, I feel like I really get to play. And for me, there, there are major stepping stones. So it's that, you know, I did, and I still do, I could do corporate narration Every day. Today I did two spots that were um, described video. You know, and these is things that you do every day. Like I do message on, on hold all the time. Um, you know, for, for sales, press one. For marketing, press two. Yeah, see, these are avenues people don't know are also under the voice acting. Oh, yeah. Category. Message on hold. Absolutely. Message on hold. And um, there are so many different places that you don't, re- you'd, you would never think. And some people make their entire living doing message on hold. And doing company systems. That's, that, that is what they do. So tell the audience then, what is this? Message on hold is what? So message on hold is literally when, when you call the Scotiabank and you get, hi, and welcome to Scotiabank, you know, blah, 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 blah. For banking, you know, for to, to speak with a teller, you never get that, by the way, because you can never get to an actual person. You have to listen <laughs> to me for the rest of your life, okay? So it's like, you know, for... for um, for your bank balance. Deposits. For your bank balance, press one. For, you know, deposits, press two. For credit cards, press three. For the, like, it, that is what message on hold is. And it's, when it's a large company, it's that you're, you're tapping into their computer system. So you're sending an MP3 that's put into their systems. Then there's message on hold that you are actually just calling someone's bell voicemail, you know, and you're getting really frustrated because you think that you had like it was the perfect take and then you screw up the last word. And you're like, oh, God, you got to hang up again. And then you get given that golden nugget by your friend who does this every day of the week. And they're like, no, no, you just record it into your system. Then call their phone and put your phone up against your speaker. You're like, oh, my God, how have I not known about this for years? You are a genius. So there's that. 
Then there's corporate narration, which I do a ton of, medical narration that I do a ton of, because while I was at York, I also was in the kinesiology department doing a minor, which of course makes sense when you're, you know, doing theater. Why would you not go dissect cats and stuff? So I do a lot of medical narration. So that's a lot of, you know, big pharma. Like you do the disclaimers in commercials and things like that? Do the disclaimers in commercials or I read um, textbooks for school. So a lot of textbooks are available in audiobook. So I've done a lot of law and a lot of medical. I retained any of that information, you know, where I could go in life. But <laughs> So what, what's your way into these things? Like how do, how do you wind up getting your first job? I always find it's through a referral. One of my very, very, very first jobs was a guy that I consider my mentor. He was, he's been around since the beginning. This guy, Mark Neely. He called me one day and he was like, hey, I have a job that they need a female voice for. So I'll be the male voice in it. So I'll direct you. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So we you know, set up the whole thing. I was freaking out. I was totally nervous. I was recording it at home. Still hadn't really figured out my home setup. By the way, you have to have a home setup. And that's a massive part of it. And he talked me through this thing. And it was actually for, for Smiles Dentistry, which is a big dental company in the United States. And so, again, it was message on hold, but it was message on hold in the sense that so when you're on hold for an extended period of time, they've got Muzak playing in the background and it's really irritating. But now the new thing is that um, a voice will come in and tell you a story. So that's what we were doing. So it was like, you know, did you know that dental floss was created by, you know, it was all this kind of like trivia stuff or, you know, why uh, your dentist gets you to floss your teeth in this particular way, or why it's more, why, you know, do you know it's really important to have your teeth cleaned every six months, and these are the reasons why? So that you're, you know, being given information, and it also makes the, the listener think <laughs> that they're actually like, oh, it's a person. Oh, no, it's not a person. So I find if your first job, you'll get it through referral. You'll either get it through someone that you've coached with, someone that you're mentoring with, someone who's done your demo production, um, Make sure you work with, you know, reputable people because there's a lot of not reputable people out there. Um, I think we were talking about this earlier that I have kind of like a list of when people contact me and say, hey, I want to be a voice actor. I always ask first, do you have any acting background? Because it's acting. Now, there's a lot of people who get into voice acting from singing. And that makes perfect sense as well, to me as well, just because it's, a, it's still about the word and it's still about expressing emotion through words. It's still a performance. Um, but I have this kind of list of if you're in Canada, these are the people that I recommend and the places that I recommend and the things that I recommend. If you're in the United States, it's the same. If you're in Europe, same. Um, because once you connect with these people, like a, one of my coaches for commercials, she's actually a massive casting, casting director in the U.S., Coaching with her and working with her, and, and she's really, really funny, and she's all about the real person read, and it's like, you know, stop sounding so perfect. Just stop it. You know, let's just trip up and stop with, the, you know, your, your perfect elocution and your pronunciation. Nobody speaks, speaks like that. Get messy. You know, get messy. Have a glass of wine, then get into the booth, and then you'll probably book more. <laughs> That's the secret, <laughs> folks. Booze. Exactly. Um, but she will... If she thinks that you're appropriate for a spot, she will call you in for an audition. Um, I have been referred to some of the biggest agencies um, and some of them that I've been signed to because of the guy that I do my demos with or because of the coaches that I coach with. 
So it's a very, um, it's a world where referral is ki- is king. Like the like the word of mouth is going to get you everywhere. Well, so talk to me a little bit about you mentioned earlier the community is a really supportive community. I found that a little bit odd because I always think of voice actors as being these you know lone wolves that they're they're in their booth in their basement in their attic and you know, no one ever sees them. I used to work with a guy I worked with for four years. He was doing uh, voiceover for an entire company for four years. And I sent him just, you know, script after script after script we did together. Never saw the guy face to face my entire life. I still have never seen him. I don't know who he, I wouldn't see him. I wouldn't know him on the street. So, I, I mean, how is this a community? Where are you guys congregating? Um, there, I mean, well, there's social media, blah, blah, blah. But then there's there's conferences and conventions. And, you know, I've been doing this since 2009, 2010. I did not go to my first conference until last year. Why? I didn't know about them. So I kind of started my my community search on LinkedIn, ironically. So LinkedIn is an amazing platform for work in general. And for whatever reason, I do really well on LinkedIn. You're very active there. Yeah. I Like I get ridiculous views on things. And I, th- I think it's one of the, the secrets I believe to LinkedIn is authenticity. And I think that's the, the secret to everything, really. But I've never posted anything on LinkedIn where I'm trying to get a response. I post it because I'm really excited about something. So it's like whether it's about posting my you know patio lanterns in my studio, my studio upgrade. I got some patio lanterns. They're awesome. Like that literally turned into like we've like a bunch of us have decided that we're all going to the Dominican Republic next February. And like, how did that? I don't. Oh, sure. Yes. Um, but from LinkedIn, I you know, started to meet, you know, virtually meet um, voice actors and just people starting to, you know, talk like, who are you? What are you doing? La la la. And I think it was because I got onto LinkedIn so late in the game in my career that when I started posting like, oh, here's my new commercial for the UN or here's, you know, this, they're like, who the hell is this person? She's come out of nowhere. And yet she's doing these major jobs. Like, and because I was, I was that kid, I was hiding in my booth, which was a closet at the time, by myself. Nobody knew me. I didn't know any of them. And then I decided I needed a new commercial demo. So I, Mark Neely, yet again, he had just done a webinar with this guy, Eric Romanowski. So I started to kind of follow Eric and, and pay attention to what he was doing on Instagram. And, and I was listening to the demos that he was putting out. And I was like, I really like this guy's sound. So I contacted him. Initially, I contacted him about radio imaging, saying I was interested in, in learning about radio imaging. And he was like, absolutely not. And I was like, who the hell do you think you are? And that was why I was like, you know, once I got over myself and I had a conversation with him about a commercial demo. And then later, that's really funny. He just sent me a text. Oh, my God, that's so funny. He knows I'm talking about him. Um when we talked about commercial and then later I asked him about radio imaging, he's like, I'm not going to take anyone's money to produce a demo in a genre that they don't know what they're doing. He's like, you heard about radio imaging and decided that you wanted to do radio imaging. Really? You, you, like, you've got to go and figure it out first. So then we do my commercial demo. I love my commercial demo. I'm 
picky as hell. I drove him mental. Like we went back and forth with every, like the EQ and the highs and the lows and the order and the this. And but that, that T is a little bit too sharp for me. Can we drop that down just a little bit? And I, I made him insane. So we became friends. And there was a convention happening. He's like, you need to come to this convention. I was like, no, I'm good. And he's like, no, you really have to. And he basically bugged me until I booked the ticket. So I got on a plane, went to Atlanta, went to this convention, and my entire life changed. I'm not good with, with crowds. Like anything over one person is too much for me. I'm, I'm an introvert. Everyone's listening going, oh, my God, she's got verbal diarrhea, how she's an introvert. Because I'm talking to Roby. You know, Eric took me under his wing for the entire convention. And if, if I wasn't in a class or a lecture, I was hanging out with him. And I met all of the voices that I have heard forever um, from, you know, just commercial voices that I'm like, oh, my God, like, you know, I want to be working the way that they're working because I hear them every freaking day. I used to uh, uh, joke with Ellie Ray that so one woman had to die before another female was going to get into the commercial <laughs> realm in Canada because it was like these seven women, female voices that did everything. And I was like, one of them actually has to die or retire before one of them, somebody else can get in. So I met them. Um, and I met Bob Bergen, who's the voice of Porky Pig. And, um, I was kind of, I was introduced more to the world of video games and how much fun that is as a voice actor, because you really, really get to act within the world of video game. But from that point, all of a sudden I had this massive network of people who are your biggest cheerleaders. Like they just, everybody in voice wants you to succeed. And it's really, really different from theater or film. Why do you think that is? I, I, it's really weird because theater and film, it's like you walk into an audition and someone's already like they're trying to stab you. Like you're just, you know, like a trip you on the way in, you know, so that you don't get the part. Whereas in voice, when you, especially when you walk into an audition for voice and you're auditioning with people that you've coached with. And you're like, oh, that's really, hi, oh boy. They like as, And as they come out of the audition and it's your turn, you know, they give you a hug and a pep talk and you can do this. You got this, girl. I can totally hear you doing this. Da, 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 da. There's there's something really different about it. That's it's so welcoming and so warm. And so and we have all of these, you know, especially during covid. Now there's, you know, like the VO pals meet meetups like there's all of these kind of, you know, uh, Facebook and. Instagram groups of people that are getting online on a Friday night and having drinks and talking and talking about the industry or not talking about the industry. And you develop really, really good friendships. It's really interesting. Do you think the reason why everybody's so helpful and well-wishing and, and positive is because, and I say this with absolutely all due respect, the world's biggest voiceover artist, nobody knows who that person is. Like you're not walking a red carpet I mean, unless you're Morgan Freeman and you did the Penguin movie, but that's not a voice actor first and foremost. That's an, a film actor who is, yeah. you know, who's doing vac voice vacationing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Oscars still don't have a voice category, um, but the Voice Arts Awards are are relatively new, and you do get to walk a red carpet. I was nominated for one last year, and that was very very fun. We went to Warner Brothers Studio. Um, you know, lot three. It was very, very cool, very glam. All the paparazzi and the dresses and the diamonds. Who were you wearing? Um, uh, my friend Joanna Swan's everything. Yeah, 
She, I was like, I need clothes. She's my, my doppelganger. So she literally dressed me from head to toe and threw me on a plane. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, you know, like, it, and it's true in film and theater as well. Like, it's true in life. No one is you. No one can bring to the table what you bring to the table. But for whatever reason, within the voice realm, that's stuck. That nobody sounds like me. Nobody sounds like you. Nobody has my life experience. And it's my life experience that I'm bringing to the table. It's my training that I'm bringing to the table. It's my, it's my timber. It's my sound. It's my, uh, it's my nuances. It's my background. It's all of these things. And nobody has that. And I think that, yes, at the end of the day, we're each other's competition. But it's just not viewed that way. Because it's drilled into you. And we try to drill it into each other as well and into especially the people venturing into the world of voiceover. When you don't book a job, you weren't rejected. You just weren't selected. So tell me, if competition isn't the hardest part, what's the hardest part about voice acting as a profession? It can be staying motivated. I mean, I work six days a week um, and I work 10 hours a day with voice. So... To say that I work 10 hours a day means more often than not, I'm auditioning for 10 hours a day. So I am relying on my agents. I have, I think I have 12 agents worldwide. Um, I'm relying on them to submit me and then send in my auditions that they have sent to me. I am on a couple of pay-to-play sites that I'm choosing the type of genre, budget, etc. that I'll, I will work within, and you're auditioning for that, then that I have my freelance clients that I'm constantly keeping in touch with freelance clients, just reaching out. And again, it has to be an authentic basis. It's not going, hi, Roby, is there any work? Just just reaching out to see if you got, you got a job for me. It's, you know, reaching out like, hey, so how's the kid? So you're keeping yourself top of mind with people, and so there's constant marketing, there's constant auditions, there's constant... So the, the job is your audition. Every once in a while, you'll book. So it can be frustrating when you go through a dry spell. It can be really frustrating when you go through patches where it's like, oh my God, I've auditioned so many times. And, you know, my booking ratio was normally one in 10, but lately it's been like one in 25, like what's going on? Or one in 30 or one in 40, or on that site, I've done like... 1500 auditions and I've never booked one like what am I doing wrong coach honestly usually when you start to notice that your your booking ratio starts to waver it's no longer as tight as it was it's usually because you're falling back into old patterns and habits it can be with me because I have this voice I can I the media, like I have to when I audition I don't wear cans I don't wear my headphones because if I can hear the sound of my fantastic voice, isn't it wonderful? Then I, I'll fall into it because that was initially when I started training for voice, that was the voice that I was told to use. You know, the, the kind of late night newscaster phone sex girl. What channel is that? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right? <laughs> and if I was auditioning for a late night newscaster phone sex girl, then that comes in really handy. But when you're not... The danger of hearing yourself speak usually kicks you 
back down into old habits and, and, and things that don't really work for you. So you go back and you coach. So I'll do kind of either um, intensive coaching that I'll do like a four week every Tuesday at seven o'clock. I'm on a Zoom session with a coach um, or after I've done the, the four or six weeks, then I'll book in every two weeks or then I'll extend it to once a month. And what's a coaching session kind of like? Are you going over scripts? Are you working techniques? So you're, you're, you're grabbing a script that you liked, didn't like, or something that's in a, a, a genre that you want to get into and you start workshopping it. Yeah. Or you're bringing a, a script that's an audition. So normally auditions um, would be an NDA. So they're non-disclosure agreement. No one's supposed to know about this. The vast majority of coaches, or at least the coaches that I'm working with, are casting directors. So they, you know, they're like locked, you know, boxes. They're not going to talk to anybody about this. So it's between you and the coach. So if I have a big audition, you know, it's a job that I'm like, oh my God, I would love, I would love to get this job. This would be amazing. I will call one of the coaches or if I'm, I'm having a coaching session that night and the audition's not due until the following morning, like, can we workshop this? So I'll email them the script. Here are the specs. Here's the script. Can we workshop this? Um, usually a coach will provide scripts for you in the first place because they're looking for where do I feel as a coach you need to be working? Like you need more work. You need more experience. You need more practice. You know, where in this world are your strengths? How can we make those strengths even stronger? So, and it's, and then it's loads and loads of technique. I mean, there's a technical side to voice work because you're saying you need to have your own booth. Well, what does that mean? What's having your own booth and what do you need to be able to know how to do with a microphone and a computer? Back in the day, as a voice actor, you walked into a studio, you walked into a booth, the door was closed behind you after they measured the microphone to make sure it was in front of your face and you said the words and then you left and that was your job. Now, I have a custom-built sound isolation booth in my basement. Um, it has six-inch walls on all sides. And then I have a control room outside of said booth where my speakers and my computer and everything else live. Um, inside the booth, I have a Neumann TLM-103 and a Sennheiser 416. So I have um, pretty industry-standard microphones. Um, and I am connected through, a interface by, uh, Apollo. So universal audio, Apollo twin, again, pretty standard, but they're high end. Like if nothing's the technical aspect of voice is not cheap. Um, and then you record into a DAW or, or a software. So when I was learning and a lot of people use it like all the time, like it's this, it just depends on what it is that you want to do. So there's a software called Audacity. It's a free software and it's great. I used it for years and years and years. It's really user-friendly. A lot of podcasters use it all the time. Yep. And now I use Adobe Audition and um, it just has more features. It just has more stuff that you can that you can do. But you need to understand how to record. You need to understand how to edit because it's no longer that you get to just be the voice. You are the producer. You're the director. You're the editor. You're the sound engineer. You're all of those things. And when I first started, I was like, absolutely not. Like, I am not technically minded. I can barely send an email. I don't know what 
you think I'm going to be doing. But, you know, it's like that, that lasts for about a hot second before you realize that you don't really have a choice. This is These are your options. You either learn how to do it or you don't get to work. So how did you learn? Courses, trial and error, crying. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, a lot of courses. There's a guy, Larry Hudson, based out of L.A. He's a voice talent, and he is also just, he's a tech guy. Like, he was a drummer for a million years, and then, got like, you know, was in mortgages or something, and then got into voice. Like, it's just, everyone's got this weirdo story, right? But he is very, very technically minded, and he, so he now teaches courses on Audacity, on Adobe Audition, on all this stuff. So I did a course with him for Audacity years ago. And learn the basics of it. And then YouTube. YouTube was super helpful for that. And then going back and doing Larry's course a couple of years later where I felt like I was a little bit more comfortable. And I was able to understand more of what he was saying. In, versus just being a deer caught in headlights of where's the record button? I don't understand. <laughs> it's the red one. Right. Oh, right. And yeah. And then just... Then there's a Tim Tippett's is another guy who does a lot of the, the tech aspects of things. And he has a great course for Adobe Audition that you do at your own pace, whereas Larry's are more uh, interactive, that you're online with him uh, once a week. Whereas with Tim, it's that you you get this course, you download the course, and he, like he'll send you reminders every kind of couple of weeks like, hey, you haven't finished chapter two. Like, what are you doing? Um, but his is way more in depth of you start to learn about what parametric EQ is and, you know, mic rumble and all of this other stuff that just makes your your audio sound fantastic. I mean, I don't know how many times I've done an audition and I've gotten a note back saying, thank you so much. You've been booked. We don't need anything further. Your audition's good enough. Fantastic. That's, you know, it's the best job ever. And like that, like the last one that I booked that way was for a Star Wars commercial that was played in Cineplex. And I recorded it at home in my booth by myself, sent them three takes. And thanks so much. Yeah. Now you get to say you were in Star Wars. Star Wars. Do you make people wait through all the, uh, all the credits just to. No, I broke into Cineplex. I went to the theater. I was like, listen, I'm in the pre-roll. And I'm in a commercial in the pre-roll. My voice is in the pre-roll. Can I go in? They're like, yeah, whatever. They just let me in. Go to Theater 6. I was like, thank you. So I filmed it. <laughs> yeah, because my wife's not, she's she's not a moviegoer. So I just, you know, broke in. They let me in. I stood there with my, my phone and I filmed it. <laughs> and I ran back out the door. I was like, it was, it's a real thing. It was a real thing. That was me. <laughs> but you were still in another dark room. Exactly. Listening to yourself. By myself. Speak. Yeah. I know. So what kind of advice would you give to somebody who wants to get into voice? If you're if you're an actor, keep doing it. If you are not an actor, start with improv. Second City, if we're ever allowed to go out and play with each other again in, in public spaces and groups, um, improv is such a massive part of this. Um, and being able to find your own voice. Because as I said, so many people walk into a booth in front of a microphone and they just freeze. Like you've, I mean, we, you were talking about that experience earlier. People just freeze. So getting used to your own thoughts and your own ways of being, um, look up, especially right now, there's so many things online. Um, there's so many 
free things online. There's a, a webinar that happens every Thursday called The State of VO, and it's hosted. It's free, and it's uh, it's hosted by the SOVA, so the, the Society of Voice Arts and Sciences, and they bring in casting directors. They bring in dialect coaches. They bring in, you know, big cartoon names. They bring in all sorts of people just to have the ability for the community to ask them questions. Find someone who is a voice actor who is willing to possibly mentor you. Ask about coaching. I mean, if you want information from me, I mean, we'll probably talk about my contact details later. But as I said, I have lists of, of coaches that, that are fantastic. Kim Hurden Casting in Toronto. Kim is, she's like the queen again of animation. She's uh, one of the bigger casting directors for video games. Um, but she hosts, along with her team, um, she hosts these amazing coaching sessions, group co coaching sessions via Zoom. So you get to work with commercial coaches, you get to work with technical coaches, you get to work with uh, video game, animation, you name it. She has somebody who is a specialist in that field. And yeah, anything that, that allows, read to children, read out loud. Because it's reading. Like, you have to be able to pull words up off a page that are not yours. So read. Don't read the same thing. So every day, read something different. So read a paragraph from the newspaper. Read a paragraph from a book you've never picked up. Go onto the internet and just search some random weirdo thing and read the page out loud. And see how quickly you can pick up on what it is that you're reading. Is it funny? Is it scientific? Is it serious? Did someone die? Is, is it a story? Is it, you know, medical jargon? What is it? Are you able to make it sound real? Just do that and find an acting coach. I think it like 700 times. Get a coach. Where can people find out more about you? People can find out more about me if you are on LinkedIn. It's Emma O'Neill VO. If you are on the Instagrams, it's all Emma O'Neill VO. O'Neill like the surf company, O apostrophe N-E-I-L-L. -L. Or you can check out my website at www. It sounds so cheesy, right? You can check out my website at <laughs> www.emmaoneillvo.com. There you get to listen to all my ridiculousness, my demos, and I've posted a couple of videos. And You know, has anybody ever told you you got a, a voice for radio? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I got the face for radio. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing with us how you make a living. My absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. If I told you I've known Roby since I was in that horrible school. <laughs> <laughs> and we found each other again online. It was love, I'm telling you. No, it was LinkedIn. It was LinkedIn. It was, it was LinkedIn. Subscribe to Making a Living Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. For more on the show, visit makingalivingshow.com or follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Making a Living One. Making a Living Show is produced by Next Exit Media and hosted by me, Roby Levy. Thanks for listening.